0: Good morning, let's make our way in here and let's praise the Lord if you would.
1: this morning. I'm glad you're here. Let's go, Lord, in prayer, and then we'll have our uh, welcoming time today. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, that we're here this morning, Lord, to worship you, worship you by song and giving and by reading and teaching of your word this morning, Lord. And thank you for the rain we've got the last few days. That is a, a definite blessing. And Uh, Lord, we we pray this morning that you're just with us today, that we learn from your word and apply it in our lives. And in everything we do this morning, we want to give you the praise and glory. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
0: Ladies. Ready, drummer? Hello.
1: seated this morning. I hear that song and my family says, like, when I hear the beat to that, we want to go alligator hunting or something. I don't know, like in the, in the bayou. I don't know. It's, it's good stuff. All right, here we go. Um, I got a thank you card. Uh, it says to, to Crossbridge family, whether it was a whispered prayer, a hug, a text, a phone call, or food brought, food served, or ser- service preached, none of it was unnoticed. I felt my brothers and sisters wrap their loving arms around me and comfort me. Not only me, but my whole family. I can't begin to tell you what that meant to me. A woe, woe to be anyone that doesn't have a church family. And I have the best. Thank you for loving on us during the passing of my dad. Love, Katie, Phil, and family. So I had the opportunity to do that service this week. And I never had the opportunity to meet Hubert. And I mentioned that in the service. But uh, one thing I'll never forget about that service and, and what he had is he had a Bible that he would read every single day for hours and hours. And his Bible was duct taped together that he had it so worn out. Notes all over it, and it was so worn out that it was duct tape. I- I'm telling you, if there were more duct tape Bibles in our country, we would have a different country than what we have right now. What an example for the church to have a duct tape Bible that that's how much you read it and wear it out, right? Uh, so, it was an honor to get to do that and, and support our church family. So, uh, back to school party. I got several announcements this morning. Uh, back to school party is Sunday, August 27th. Here's the sign-up sheet. Uh, the church always provides pizza and drinks. It's at the pool uh, here in town at eight, uh, 630 to 830. So, if you're going to go, it's, it's church-wide. Uh, please sign up and let us know so we know how much food, uh, pizza, and drinks to get uh, for that night. So, that's the, kind of the back to school party. Because next week, a lot of the kids, whether they're homeschooled or uh, going to public schools, they'll start school back next week. So kids better enjoy this week because it's getting real next week, right? Yeah, <laughs> they got to go back. Um, what else we got? Next Saturday, a couple of things next Saturday. I was going to talk to Michael and I forgot to do that. Michael, we're going to move men's prayer breakfast from next Saturday to the following Saturday because next Saturday is the church wide float trip. So here's the deal. Anybody can go, all you have to do is go online to James River Outfitters that's in Galena, Missouri, and register uh, for your family. And we're going to meet there, register and pay, and you pay when you get there, register your family, we're going to meet at 8 a.m., It's a five-mile float. We'll be off the water by 1 or 1.30. The water's about a foot up right now than what it was when we went, so it will be literally perfect, especially if we get a little more rain this week, and it's supposed to be sunny next Friday. I think it'll be perfect. Uh, So if you want to go, it's a blast. We took the young adults uh, on it, the young adult college class, 8 a.m. next Saturday. You have to individually re- register at James River Outfitters and be there at 8 a.m. So uh, come, it's a really, really good time. Next weekend, also, got a big day. Uh, next weekend, once you kids stand up up here, we're sending them off next week. They are officially, yep, <clears throat> they are officially taking over Freeway in Sanford, Florida next week. So next Sunday after the morning service, uh, we have a, a meal catered for the whole church. So you can come and celebrate Trey and Savannah getting sent off to, to uh, Florida for freeway. Uh, that's what we're supposed to do, church. I mean, literally, we're supposed to raise up new leaders and send them off to do ministry. And that's what they're going to be doing. They're leaving next Sunday. It, it's an opportunity for us as a church to bless them also. So bring a card, a gift card. They're expecting a beautiful baby girl. No, boy? 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 Boy, my bad. Boy, uh, what's going to be a beautiful boy too, right? He's going to look like the preacher hopefully, right?
0: Uh,
1: Beautiful baby boy. Uh, and so you'll have an opportunity to bless them, give them a gift card, give them something to take to Florida with them, uh, but a big meal after services to honor them next Sunday uh, after church, so thank you, kiddos. All right, uh, and hey, we had another baby born, I don't think Hannah, I, Hannah's probably not here, She said this baby this week, but uh, I sent this out, Hannah and Andrew had a baby girl, I'm getting this right, uh, <laughs> A baby girl, Uh, so they're doing good. Reach out to them this week. I know he's working a lot of hours, and she could definitely probably use some help with meals, ladies. So, you 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 coordinating that, Dana? Let Dana know on a meal. I'd love to get them fed all week if we could, uh, ladies. Just pick a day and take them dinner. Just. Three of them uh, that'll be eaten, including the little, little uh, their little son also. So uh, we can do that. So going away party, all that shower trailer. Still need volunteers, I guess. Shower trailer in Springfield on Tuesdays at 9:15. Uh, amazing ministry move up Sunday for the kids 6th graders going into youth is going to be August 27th also we're getting around that time uh, of year again the shoebox ministry so we're going to start getting a list out because we we pack shoeboxes for Franklin Graham Samaritan's Purse and they get sent around the world for kids around the world uh, at Christmas time so there's lists every single month we will have the list for you for you guys to, to start bringing stuff in for the shoebox ministry excuse me and then saturday men's uh men's prayer breakfast saturday august 26th is going to be men's prayer breakfast michael you good with that okay saturday august 26th is men's prayer breakfast and then mike why don't you come up here about the uh, ladies house and give them an update you and kim and just you wanted to say thanks
2: Uh, we just, we just want to say thank you uh, for all of you that uh, have already given uh, for the floors and the paint and, and et cetera. And we also want to thank everybody that rallied around this past week, because I know a lot of you are busy. And uh, you came over, and uh, we got one side of the duplex totally uh, painted, and then we're getting ready to start on the other one uh, this week. And we couldn't have done it without you. There's just, just no way uh, on either end. So we just want to say thank you very much. All right,
1: perfect. Thank you, guys. And new flooring's going in. uh, When? Probably this week or next week? Okay, and then we'll have our first lady in the next couple of weeks, and then another one coming in September, so exciting times for the Women's Freeway House uh, on that. Women's uh, ministry announcements. Coffee ladies this week, Wednesday morning at 8.30 a.m. at Grillo's. Uh, for breakfast. And then they're going to have a short five-minute meeting concerning the women's retreat uh, next Sunday, August 20th, right after the morning service. So if you're going on that women's retreat that a lot of you signed up for, they'll have a meeting. You can have it just right up here in front. We'll have we'll have it right up here in front of the church next Sunday. So anything else I forgot? Because I had a lot today, so I may have forgot something. Men's Bible. Yes, I'm sorry. No men's Bible study tonight. No men's Bible study tonight. They uh, a lot of the guys are going to be gone. So, anything else? Had something in the back? Somebody else? Uh, church softball is going to be starting up. See who you. Okay. All right. Church softball starting up. Yes, Shelley. I got the email on that, Shelly, and I apologize I didn't have that. Yes, huge, huge deal. We've been raising money for this for several years. Uh, it's the groundbreaking ceremony for the new Choices Pregnancy Center. You may be new to the congregation. Like, what is that? You think Choices Pregnancy Center, you're like, no, it's not giving a woman a choice to abort a child. It's actually a women's pregnancy center that supports women when they're pregnant so they don't go get abortions. And they offer, um, oh, Shelly, save me here. Well, they offer... Uh, ultrasounds and <clears throat> ultrasound kit uh, women's classes men's classes It's an amazing ministry, and we love supporting it. So it's a big big week for them that they break ground Tuesday at noon. So anything else I forgot this morning? Yeah. Youth Association Pool Party on the 20th. Okay. So that's next Sunday night. And okay, and text me that, and I'll announce it next week too. Okay, if you would stay in this morning, let's take up our morning offering and have our time of uh, worship uh, this morning. So bow, bow your heads to me as we pray. Lord Jesus, again, I come to you thankful, Lord, that we can be here this morning and we can give back to you, God. And so as we give back, we want to give you our best, Lord, and we want to give it joyfully and cheerfully. Use it to fund your kingdom, God, around the world, uh, sharing the gospel in our local level and everything we do, including giving, God, we love you and we want to honor you with it. It's in your name I pray, amen. <laughs>
0: to do. For the day! Guys, my allergies are kicking my booty, but a lot of you know, didn't understand, so I don't have to explain it 500 times this afternoon. Um, I messed up my MCL falling, so that's why I'm on crutches. And uh, yeah, so let's <clears throat> forgive my voice and let's praise the Lord. I mean, it don't really matter what you sound like, does it? We're well, supposed to make a joyful noise, so I'm just going to make a joyful noise today. All right, ladies, this is yours. I wander through the the desert. desert
1: second graders and below can go downstairs this morning with, uh, with Susanna. Susanna and Charleston are doing the children's church this morning. So kids, break them in good, okay? This is our first time ever doing it. So break them in good. Turn to your Bibles to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis 21. We're going to read 1 through 3. After we read that, I'll have you... Break them in, Frank, okay? Do that for me. I'm sure you will, young man. Good job. We'll read these three verses, then I'll have you sit down and, and I'll read the rest. Genesis 21, 1 through 3. It says this, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, who Sarah bore him, Isaac. Let's pray, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, this morning. Again, as we talk about Isaac, and there's just so much to learn here today about testing and trials, and uh, why we have them and why we go through them. And um, Lord, I pray this morning maybe it changes our perspective on this, on this, and that, Lord, we uh, we embrace. Struggles in our lives and trials uh, that come because of our faith in you. And in everything, Lord, we give you the praise and glory. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So. I wanted to start in that text, and then we're going to go to another text today that I'll, I'll go back and reference at times uh, as we go through it, Genesis 22, 1 through 19. Um, but here we are today, we're back looking at Abraham, and this what we, what we talk about today uh, with Abraham and Isaac, the sacrifice of Isaac... Uh, or the potential sacrifice of Isaac, I should say, is probably the most famous story of Abraham uh, that we can talk about. And and to be honest with you, it's very, very hard to comprehend. It is very, very hard to grasp this and understand what God is asking Abraham to do and for Abraham to be so obedient to doing it. Excuse me, I do have a cough this morning, so just bear with me. Uh, So I want to catch you up just a little bit. Last week we looked at the amazing dialogue that Abraham had with God. Uh, In fact, it was with the Lord Jesus about the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we looked at a couple of different things. Uh, We saw how serious God took sin, how absolutely serious he was about sin, and that uh, he was going to, in fact destroy both of those cities because of their wickedness and sin and everybody in it Uh, and Abraham had concern over that and God takes our sins so serious folks that he sent his son to die for it that's how serious he takes sin we talked about the concern that Abraham not only had for Lot uh, and his family with Lot being his nephew but he also had concern for all of Sodom and Gomorrah Uh, he knew that those people were lost and we should have that same kind of concern for a lost and dying world around us. And, and, and we, when we become Christians, it's not about us anymore. It is absolutely not about us. It's all about Jesus and sharing his gospel, sharing the gospel message and serving him. Finally, we notice the boldness that Abraham had <coughs> excuse me, in talking uh, with God. He was literally standing face to face with the Lord Jesus Uh, And if you remember, the Hebrew of that literally says he was close enough to him to kiss him. That's really, really close. And it was was bold of, of Abraham to get that close to the creator of the whole universe. Think about that. And Abraham had boldness because he had been declared righteous before God. And now... As his children, brothers and sisters, we can approach the throne of grace boldly and come before God boldly in prayer uh, and talking with him. And lay requests at his feet because of the salvation that we have in him. Now to catch us up just a little bit. Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. Sarah has given birth to their son Isaac just like God had promised. And now we come to chapter 22. And this is probably the highlight of the faith. That Abraham has uh, in God. And I want to start off uh, in verse 22 with a couple of verses this morning. Verses 1 and 2. And So if you would turn to 22, 1 and 2. It says, After these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Morah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Whew. Now here, think about this. Abraham has longed to have a child with Sarah. They have prayed for a child. She has, she has advanced in age, long past child-rearing years. And God tells them, you are going to have a son and I'm going to bless you through this son, and I'm going to make him into a mighty nation, numerous as what? The stars in the heaven. Uh, and and, I, and it, it's going to come through your son Isaac. And then, now, here in chapter 22, you have God telling Abraham go and offer your son as a sacrifice, a burnt offering. And I want to focus on one word this morning. We're probably not done with Abraham totally, but I want to focus on one word. And the word is test. He tested him. The word test in the Old Testament and the New Testament literally means to prove by trial. So why would... Let's start with this foundational question. Why would God test Abraham? Well, God didn't need to learn anything about Abraham. He knew everything. In fact, he he already knew. uh, He knows everything. So God wasn't learning anything in this situation. God was testing him to prove that his faith was real. To prove to who? Abraham. God isn't proving anything to himself. He already knew that Abraham's faith was real. Because why? How do we know that? Because in previous chapters, he had already justified him. He had, already, he had already said, you are justified, you are made righteous. So he had already made him right. He was already in good standing in God's eyes. He, was, he had salvation in that faith. That had already happened. So who was he proving it to? Who was he proving that his faith was real? He was showing Abraham. He was proving it to Abraham. He is showing Abraham that he really is a follower of him. He's he's proving that to Abraham. He's showing him that there is no trial, no test in his life that he wouldn't be able to overcome by his faith. There was nothing that he could go through that he wouldn't be able to overcome by his faith in God. And, And if you remember, though, about Abraham, ironically, folks, this is something that Abraham struggled with. He struggled with really trusting God in times of struggle or trial. You think about two times... In Abraham's life, we talked about one of them already, but two times in Abraham's life, he told people that Sarah was his sister and not his wife. Two times God had gotten him out of that mess. Two times Abraham had sent Sarah to live with another man because he was worried about people killing him because she was so beautiful. And he sent her to be the wife of someone else. And two times God had gotten him out of that mess. Those were examples of Abraham not fully trusting God. Now Abraham is asked to sacrifice the most precious thing in his life, his son Isaac. This was the point in Abraham's life that his faith was now going to be proven to him that it was real. He was going to now live out his faith. He was going to live it out. There are some people who, when they're tested, they don't pass. They don't pass the test of faith. And and what is it? Is it proving, is God learning something? No. It's showing those people that they really are not followers of God. Turn to Matthew chapter 13. Here's an example of this. Here's the the other side of this coin. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus spoke a lot in parables. And one parable he spoke of was the parable of the sower. And I'm not going to read the whole parable of the sower, but it's at the first part of 13. What I am going to read is the part when Jesus explains the parable. And it's in verses 18 through 21. Matthew 13, 18 through 21. It says this. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the devil or the evil one, or Satan, comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what is sown along the path. For what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Hold on. They hear the message of the gospel and they receive it with joy. They're excited about the good news of Jesus. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. There it is. When they endure a trial or a test or a persecution because of their belief in God or them trusting in God, quickly, what happens? They fall away. They hear the message with joy, but when distress or persecution comes, they prove to themselves... By falling away that they really don't believe in God. Has God learned anything there? No. He already knew. He already knew. So who's who's learning? We are. We are. These people are proving to themselves, not God, that they truly aren't followers of Jesus. What was Abraham's faith? Abraham's faith in God was proven to him during this testing. By him enduring, by him doing exactly what God asked him to do, if you go back to 22, that's what he does. By him doing exactly what God asked him to do, he was showing, proving that out in his life, walking his faith out in his life that he really was a follower of God. Turn to Hebrews 11. It's referenced, this this exact passage is referenced in the faith chapter. For my Bible drillers, what's the faith chapter? Hebrews 11. Hebrews eleven seventeen through nineteen. Hebrews eleven seventeen through nineteen. This is amazing. I love this. It says, by faith, Abraham, he was tested, offered up Isaac, he who, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So what's what's that say about Abraham? Abraham, God had said, I'm going to make a great nation out of your son Isaac. I'm promising all this to you, and it's going to happen through Isaac. But then God says, go sacrifice Isaac. So, okay, God, but you promised me that you were going to do this through Isaac, and now you want me to kill him or sacrifice him? Okay, that means that, hey, I'm going to do it because I believe that you're going to raise him from the dead then, and he's really not going to die. That's how much faith Abraham had, and, that's, and that was his being lived out. He knew. Here's the whole thing. You think, man, that's, that's crazy. But he knew that there was nothing impossible with God. How do we know that? Because God had showed him that with the birth of who? Isaac. You remember from the verse last week when Jesus, when the Lord Jesus is talking to Abraham in Genesis 18. Genesis 18, 13. It said, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, I shall indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return next year, and Sarah will have a son. That's what God told him. Is anything too hard for me, Abraham? I mean, think about it. I created the mountains. Jesus says, I created the mountains. I created the oceans. I created everything. You don't think I can make a baby? That's what he was telling Abraham and Sarah. And you know what? She laughed. And and Jesus says, is there anything too impossible with God involved? Just trust me. What happens? God delivers on his promise. And what happens? Sarah has a baby. Abraham had seen that there was nothing impossible with God. So even God, even if you ask me to sacrifice my son Isaac, I know that you can raise him from the dead because there's nothing impossible with you. That's faith. That's him living out his faith. He had saw that play out in their lives. Go back again. Go back, go back again. I know I covered it, but just to, just to make sure we have it. Genesis 17, 15 through 19. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name... Sarah, Sarah, I. But Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will become, and, and she shall become nations, kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face, face, and laughed, and said to himself, Shall a child be more to a man who is a hundred years old? So shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to the Lord, Oh that Ishmael might live before you. God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. He remembered that God had promised him, I am going to establish a covenant, not with Ishmael. We talked about Ishmael. Remember who Ishmael is? Yeah, the servants, the servant's son. I'm not establishing a covenant with him, God said. I'm establishing one with Isaac. And I promise you, Abraham, that your lineage, that it's going to be, he's going to become a great nation through Isaac. And what happens? But God, you're wanting me to kill him? Okay, I don't know how it's going to work, but I believe you can raise him from the dead, and there's nothing impossible with you. I just trust you, God. I'm going to do what you want me to do. That is faith. That is faith being played out. That is faith. He had faith in God. That was now going to play out all throughout this. He had faith. That is faith. So listen to me. When God is testing us and God tested Abraham. When we go through trials. It's not for God to learn anything. It's for you to learn. It's for me to learn. It's for our faith to grow. It's for our faith in God to grow. Because what does testing do? Here's the second point. Testing leads to maturity and blessing. Now I want to make sure we get this right. Please don't think that everything in your life is testing. It's not. Sometimes we go through things because we make stupid decisions. Well, I'm going to go buy a vehicle that I cannot afford. And oh, look at me. God is sending me through these so many financial trials because I've, I, I have this vehicle. No, no, no. You were dumb and bought a vehicle that you couldn't afford and now you can't pay for it. That's not a trial. A trial is you're enduring something because of your faith. You're, you, God is testing you to see if you show your faith. Put more faith in me. And what does that lead to? Here's the second point. Maturity and blessing. So please don't chalk up everything in our life to, well, I'm getting tested by God. No, some of it's because we sin and we make bad decisions. I want to get that in. Here's the second thing. (laughs) Testing, though, leads to maturity and blessing. Turn to James. Here's the whole point of it. Man, I'm just running out of time, guys. I'm sorry. I just... Just bear with me, okay? There's just too much here. James 1, 3 through 4. Just start in verse 2. We'll read verse 2 here in a minute. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So what's happening? When we're tested and we're put on trial, we start to trust God more and more. And then that produces in us a a steadfastness that no matter what happens, we're dependent and we trust in God. A little bit further down in James, in verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive what? The crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. You're blessed and rewarded, church, when you are faithful in trials and testing because of your faith. Listen, hey, I think of when I think of this, I think about that business. I'm in business. I like talking business and doing business, and I try to use business to glorify the kingdom, and I love having discussions with businessmen and all that. I think about the business owner in Colorado. That, that uh, LGBTQ couple said, bake us a cake. And he said, I can't bake a cake for your wedding. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna, I can't celebrate that. And what happened to him? He ended up losing his business. But he stood fast in trial because his faith was in God. That's a test of faith. Those are tests of faith when we remain steadfast. Literally, God will reward us in heaven with the crown of life when we trust him during trial. So what is this? That's storing up treasure in heaven. It's literally storing up reward in heaven. But then in the same passage, you have people who doubt. And doubters in James, chapter one, verses six and seven, those who are doubt are like waves of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. We went fishing. You guys went fishing. You had a pretty calm day. We went about 15 miles out. I was sicker than a dog. And I don't get sick. Now, I got some Navy guys in here. I don't get sick. I just had wasn't feeling good that day. But, I mean, the boat was beating us to death. And we are tossed to and fro, I mean, all around. What is that? That's what doubt does. It makes you go from here to there. You don't know. You become double-minded, this says. Unstable. And that kind of person must not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. That's what it says. When you have doubt, you become unstable in your thinking, tossed to and forth, double-minded. The Greek word there has it, literally it, t- it means a person with two minds or two souls. It's somebody who has one foot in with God and trusting Him, and one foot in with themselves, still trusting in themselves. It's a doubter, someone who that truly doesn't trust Him. Jesus talked about doubters also in the Sermon on the Mount. He talked about him in Matthew 6, 24, when he says, Who are you gonna put your trust in? No one can serve two masters. Either you hate one and you love the other, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. He's using the parable of God and money there. One of two masters, who are you gonna serve? Doubters are double-minded, are restless, they're confused in their thoughts. Confused in their actions and behavior. You know what happens with their life? One day they're serving God. The next day they're living a life of hell. That's a doubter. They're just back and forth. They're always in conflict with themselves. Torn by inner conflict. They can never lean on the promises of God and just trust Him. And what is Hebrews one or Hebrews 11, 1-3? They don't have saving faith. Listen, you can't be certain of something and also doubting at the same time. Those two things don't mix. It's double-mindedness. It's double-mindedness. When we trust in God, when we put our faith and trust in God when we're going through testing and trials, what happens? Our faith grows in Him even more. We depend on Him even more. We become closer to Him and trust in Him more resulting in what? Maturity and blessing. You know what some people need to pray for this morning? For testing and trial. Think about that. You pray for testing and trial, you're going to have to depend on something. If you depend on the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what happens with your faith? It grows. You become stronger. You become stronger. And that kind of ties me into the third point. Many times we look at testing and trial as a bad thing. We look at it like, oh, woe is me, I'm going through this. James says, find joy. What does it say in verse 2? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, I, I, I can't put myself in Abraham's mind, but I'm sure Abraham had to travel. I didn't look it up. Maybe I should have. But he had to travel a good distance to where God wanted him to offer the sacrifice. I'm sure he had time to think about this. this uh, and, and you know what? I don't know that it would be a joyous journey. I don't know, but he did it. I'm telling you what the word says, and it says when we go through trials and testing, we should count it as joy because it's an opportunity to grow in the Lord. Now, listen, that's a hard thing to grasp, to be joyful, even when we're going through testing and trials in our life. But when we are putting point two into practice and understanding that it leads to us to be more mature and leads to blessing, then you know what that starts to create in you? Joy. It's, it starts to create joy when you know that you're growing in your faith, when you know that you've become blessed because of this. There is great, listen, there is great contentment in life, church, when you turn your keys over to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is great contentment when you say, God, I don't know, but you know, and I'm just gonna follow you and be obedient to you. Whatever that means. What is, what is the saying of freeway? Trey, hopefully you use it in Florida. What do we say, football team? Pay attention. You guys, what do we say when we break a huddle? I know you're not forgetting. Say it. Do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. What is that? That is putting one foot in front of the other and just doing the next right thing and following God. When you do that in your life and you're trusting Him with your decisions, you know what you have? Contentment. You have contentment. You, when you realize that everything is his, is for him, and is in his control, there is joy and contentment in your life. Your, your joy and contentment then is not found in things of this world. It's not found in your circumstances, it's found in Christ. That you have contentment in your life. There's contentment. Here's another verse. This is one of the best verses in all of scripture. Romans 8.28. I think this is a Bible drill verse, isn't it? Is it? Somebody say it, Bible drillers. We know it. You got it. All right. We got some work to do. And we know that for years ago, it wasn't this year's. Okay. We got work to do. And we we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. We know that God loves his children. And he's going to work things out for his good and his glory. So while he's doing that, what are we supposed to do? Just trust him. Just trust him. He's going to make it all work for good. I think also we have to remember, and I'm closing. That we have to remember what our home address is. Listen, my home address is not Marshfield, Missouri. I pray this morning that your home address is not Marshfield, Missouri. Your home address is where? Heaven. Heaven. Listen, one day you're not going to have any more trials. Do you know how short our lives on this earth are? Yeah, you know short. We are here one second and we're gone the next. It's short. One day there's not any more trials, there's no more pain, there's no more heartache. There's just an eternity with Jesus in heaven. When you focus on eternity, you know what starts to happen? You have joy, Because you know that no matter what you're going through, it ain't going to last forever. It can't last forever. Because one day I'm going to take my final breath here and I'm going to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. So no matter what we're going through it's going to end one day. So head up, smile on your face and let's let's have fun. Let's be joyous through our trials and struggles. Why? We know. We have a promise. Revelation 21.4 says what? He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death shall be no more. Neither is there shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Keep your eye on the prize. You know what happens when you don't keep your eye on the prize? When you don't keep your focus on Christ? It's a good example. It's found in Matthew 14. I'm not going to read it. Read it this afternoon. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Jesus says, Peter, get out of the boat, son. Come on. You want to come to me? Get out of the boat. Peter's focused on Jesus. But then he starts to look at everything going on around him and the waves crashing. And what starts to happen to Peter? He sinks. He sinks. And Jesus grabs him, and he pulls him up. Keep our eyes on Christ. When you're going through stuff, just keep your eyes. Peter got scared of the storm around him. He took his eyes off Jesus. I'm closing with this this morning. When you're facing trials and testing, don't cry about it. Find it joy. Keep your eyes on Christ. Study his word. Spend time in prayer. Be with your brothers and sisters in the church. When you're going through a hard time, don't run from the Lord and his children. Get the children around you. Like, listen, if you want to confuse a wolf, you know how wolves eat sheep? When sheep run off by themselves. When they stay together, it ain't too fun to try to attack the pack. You get off and try to be a lone ranger, you get eaten. If you're going through trials and struggles, temptations, testing, whatever it is, surround yourself with brothers and sisters in Christ. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Get into His Word. Spend more time. And then you know what happened? You you won't sink. You won't sink. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. Here's my question this morning. Maybe you're here this morning going through trials and testing. Maybe right now in your life, you have things that are going on in your life that are testing you and you're going through trials. And maybe some of them is your own doing. And maybe some of them are because you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's wanting to show you trust in me. Here's what we need to do, folks. Here's what you need to do. Keep your eyes on him. Draw near to God. He says, Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Seek and ye shall find. Draw near to God. Grow in your faith. Maybe during this testing, your eyes haven't been on Jesus. I love, I'm going to say this till the day I die. I love that we serve a God that allows us to make U turns. He lets us make U turns and get back on course. He doesn't, when we get off track, give us the boot. He, gets, he lets us get back on track. How you get back on track is by humbling yourself before God. And saying, hey, I'm not handling this good God, and I want to. I want to trust in you. And you know what he does? You know when you have that attitude? He grabs you and he picks you up. He picks you up. And you have support. Maybe you're here this morning, and you, and that, you know where that all starts, though? It starts with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. I'm going to urge you till the day I die, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. It's the most important thing. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. If you need to come, you can. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you that you are with us. And you're not learning anything by our trials and testing. You know it all. It's that we can learn. We can learn. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that when we're going through things, we embrace them. We embrace them and it draws us closer to you. And we love you more and we depend on you more. And Lord, it gro- we grow in our faith. We grow in our faith. And we can use these trials and testimonies to share with other people that they can grow in their faith. And that Lord, no matter what we're going through, one day because we follow you, there's not going to be any more trials and testing. There's just going to be joy in heaven. So let's keep our eyes focused on that. In all things, Lord, we give you praise and glory. In your name I pray, amen. You Thank you all for coming this morning. Uh, Jamie, would you uh, come on back up here? Uh, while she's coming, you, you know, this, I don't know why I just thought of this kind of stuff uh, while I was standing up here. and uh, Maybe you're like, well, I don't really go through any testing and trial for being a follower of Christ. Get ready for it. If you, if you want to really uh, be effective in our world, just take a biblical position out there. I'm telling you, it's coming like a freight train that they're going to want to cancel you and me and this word, and you better be ready to make a stand. I'm thankful that we don't live in certain parts of our country where they're already doing that. Last week, I had the opportunity to go, and our football coach called a couple of pastors in our community, and we went through the locker rooms and the field, and we got to pray for the schools, and and we still have a community that he wanted us to pray for him, that he would be an influence, and I prayed that what came out of his mouth during football games, was glorifying to God. I mean, because I know how it is to be a football coach. Uh, But I'm telling you, you make a biblical stand out there, get ready for some persecution and and go through a trial. And and count it as joy. And I think that's why the the church needs one another more than ever right now. Get ready for that. You need to have a church home. You need to be serving in a local body of believers that sharing the gospel. That's important. Being a part of, just coming on Sunday's, not enough, church. Not anymore. Not anymore. We we gotta we gotta get together and be a family and reach lost people, and be a functioning body. Not that we're not right now, but even more, even more uh, going forward. Jamie, you and your boys come up here. She is, uh, boy, she's doing an amazing job. Her and her husband with these boys, and uh, I care about them. They're good boys. But she's come this morning because she um, she was raised in the Lutheran church. She's uh, professed Christ as the Lord and Savior a long time ago, but she wants to be obedient in baptism, and so she wants to be baptized at the end of this month at the river. She doesn't want the baptistry. We're going to go down to the river, so we're going to do that. We are for sure going to do that, and uh, so I want you to come around and congratulate uh, her and um, I know we have another young lady that I'm going to be talking to that has professed Christ as her Lord and Savior. And when you do that, here's what you get. Here's why I'm not bringing you up this morning. Because When you profess Christ as your Lord and Savior, you get a meeting with me and Selena. Uh, and what that means is I want to know what you know about Jesus. Uh, because I could ask anybody out on the street if they know Jesus if they've heard and they're going to say yes. I could ask a Jehovah Witness if they believe in Jesus. They say yes. I could ask a Muslim if they believe in Jesus. They're going to say yes. Not the same Jesus of the Bible. So we have these conversations before we baptize people. Not that I'm saying you aren't saved, okay, young lady. I, I believe you are, but we're going to have a visit, okay? And I'm and don't be scared over that. It's a good visit, okay? So we do that though. So here's I say all that because if you have questions about salvation, if you have questions about baptism. There is, you, you can ask my family, there's nothing else I'd rather do than talk to people about that. I love having those conversations. And if you're a young person here, I have discipleship every Friday night for young adults and college age at our house. And we have about eight young men that are in the family room. And Selena has about eight young ladies in the living room that we're going through discipleship with and we eat with. And so if you're of that age and you've got questions, you hit me up. If we have to knock out walls in the house to make more room, we can get that done somehow, right? She's looking at me like, no, I don't think so. But we'll figure it out, okay? All right. Jamie, you have anything you want to say? I know you said maybe not, but you have anything you want to say? Boys, you ready to run this week of football? Okay, good, because you're going to. All right, I want you to come around. I'm, I want you to come around and congratulate her uh, and them. And here's the benediction today. It's Romans eight seven. It says this: No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There's nothing. There's nothing that can get us because of Christ. That's that's amazing, Mike. You want to close us in prayer
2: father we just thank you today God. Uh, we just thank you for your word we thank you for your church we just thank you god for uh, us you allowing us to be a part of uh many things lord that uh, you're doing here in Marshfield, missouri and elsewhere so we just praise you god for uh, jamie taking the first step of obedience and getting baptized and also lord that you're adding to your church uh, day after day and we're just grateful lord that we get to we get to be a small part of it lord and uh so lord help us walk out of here today lord and and understand what you expect from us, Lord, and and also, Lord, uh, help us have the kind of faith, Lord, to be able to stand on your word, Lord, because that's all that matters, Lord, at the end of the day. And so we praise you, and we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.